Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Healing is a covenant right. Genesis chapter 17. But let us pray first. Our Heavenly Father, as we approach your word, we do so with reverence and great humility, giving thanks to you for the provisions of your word, giving thanks to you for the Holy Ghost to enlighten us, to instruct us, to lead us, to teach us, to guide us into all truth. Our hearts are receptive, our ears are attentive, our minds are open, and we will receive revelation knowledge this day that will absolutely set us free. We thank you, dear Father, for every good thing that is accomplished in this place, and we'll give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've said, and I'll reiterate, to better understand the Bible, to better comprehend the sovereignty of God, and also to be able to develop great faith, one must understand that the Bible is a legal book based on two legal documents. That kind of narrows things down. It's a legal book based on two legal documents. The first one being the Abrahamic covenant. And the sec second one being the new and everlasting covenant in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The thing we have to understand about the covenant is the fact that God is ever mindful of His covenant. God always is in remembrance of the fact that he is in a covenant relationship with mankind. That better helps us comprehend the sovereignty of God because God is a sovereign being. And since he is sovereign, in his sovereignty, if he wants to, he can choose to enter into a covenant relationship with mankind that would more or less limit his sovereignty. Can you understand that? Did you get that point? That's not limiting God because God, who is unlimited in sovereignty, chose to enter into a relationship with mankind that would be governed by two covenants. And so, in other words, he is saying that you can expect me to do these things, to operate on the basis of the covenant, and I'll do what I said I'll do. Whatever I say, I'll perform. I will not change it. And that's another point. God swore by an oath. He swore by himself, for there was no one greater to swear by, so he swore by himself. And that helps us understand that if God was willing to do that, he was willing to show us that you can trust me. You know that what I said in the covenant, I will perform. I'll back it up with my very life. And that's what a blood covenant is. I give my life. I've held my word in such high esteem, I've put it above my name. You can trust that what I said I will do. And now notice this in Psalm 89:34, My covenant will I not break nor alter the word that's gone out of my lips. Can you see what that does to the sovereignty of God? It shows us that God who is sovereign says, I'm not going to change or alter a word I spoke. Whatever I said, I thought it through before I said it. It's good. You can trust it. Now, what does that do to the development of faith in our lives? It shows me that God who cannot lie 
who sealed what he said by a blood covenant relationship with me must do what he said he would do. Otherwise, he forfeits his life and becomes a liar and forfeits his life. Can you understand that? So God did that. Why? He said so that you would have a strong consolation. What does that mean? So you develop great faith. I know that God did exactly what he said to do because he won't lie about it. So can you see that? That's so important to understand, beloved, and to know in order to develop great faith in the living God. Well, what does all this have to do with healing? Well, go on with me, if you would, please, to Genesis 17 and verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for I have, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And you're close by, so turn to Genesis 22:15, and let's put these two thoughts together. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, this is 22.16, saith the Lord, For because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." God, in His Word, or in His promise, in His covenant relationship with Abraham, said that Abraham was to be fruitful. Did He not? In so much that His seed would be as the stars of heaven and as the sand upon the seashore. But what He is saying, He is saying to an individual who in his bodily condition is an absolute contradiction to what God said. God said, you'll be the father of many nations, and your seed will be as the stars of the heaven and the sand of the seashore. But what he says is contradicted by the condition of Abraham's body. His body is not lining up to what God said. Well, that being true, what was going to happen to get things right? What could possibly be done to see to it that God would not be a liar. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Romans chapter 4. Abraham tried, as you well know, in the flesh to help God out on his promise. How many of you remember that? And in the flesh, he produced nothing but the works of the law. God said that Isaac would come out of your own loins... And Ishmael would not be the one who would produce the blessing. Although he tried in the flesh to help God fulfill his promise, God did not need that kind of help. How many of you know that? God did not need that kind of help. In Romans chapter 4, after Abraham finally got it together and began to think correctly knowing that God was not a man to lie. If God said something, He would perform it. If God spoke it, He'd make it good. After he learned about the integrity of God, it says in verse 17 of Romans chapter 4, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now that goes back to the covenant, doesn't it? A father of many nations have I made thee. Abraham's faith was based on a legal document. 
It was based on an oath of confirmation. God swore by an oath that He would be the father of many nations. And His seed would possess the land. Not His seed through Hagar, but His seed through Sarah. Out of His own loins. This is what God said. Abraham's body contradicted what God said. The promise was contradicted by a condition inside his body. Here it says, God made him a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, underline that word promised, because that is making direct reference, reference to the Abrahamic covenant. The promise that God made to Abraham. Here Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised, he was able also to perform. Now I'm going to read some of that, if you don't mind, from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. I believe it will be helpful to us. As it is written, the father of many nations have I made you. In the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations. How did he become the father of many nations? By believing. Through faith, in other words. According to that which was spoken or that which had been spoken. What was the, the basis for his faith? That which was spoken. That's how Abraham believed. He believed that which was spoken. What was spoken? So shall thy seed or your descendants be. In other words, what God said is what he believed. Regardless of the contradiction that was in his body, Abraham's focus was upon what God said more than anything else. Now listen. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. That would be something to contemplate, wouldn't you say? We've passed the age or the ability to procreate. You know, that's something to contemplate. And that's what he did. But, he said, God said it. God spoke it. God swore by an oath. And no matter how enormous the contradiction may seem to be, I must believe God. That's what Abraham did. That's what he said. Now notice this. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. What enabled him to prevent himself from wavering through unbelief? He had respect under the promise of God. But grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform.
So number one, we can say that Abraham believed the promise above the contradiction. How did Abraham develop great faith? First of all, by putting the promise above the contradiction. There is a report of our senses and there's a report of the Word of God. When you know that God sealed His Word by a covenant relationship and swore by an oath, and when you know that God has the ability to perform what He says, it makes us stop and think that the contradiction that is in our senses is not to be regarded more highly than the ability and the integrity of the Almighty God. That is an issue that we all must settle in our own lives. My bodily or physical contradictions are not to be held in higher esteem than the Word of the Almighty God. It says He had respect to the promise of God. And that's exactly what that word means. It means to consider God's Word higher in regard. Or to esteem or hold more, uphold more highly God's Word above the circumstances. It says then, he grew in faith. How did he grow in faith? Giving glory to God. And I believe there's a thought there. He grew in faith as he gave glory to God. That you have made me, a hundred years old, the father of many nations. You have made me with such contradictions, bodily contradictions, the father of many nations. And that's exactly what he did for a number of years. He gave glory to God. In the face of all adversity, he gave glory to God. In the face of adverse circumstances, he gave glory to God. In the face of contradictory circumstances. And grew in faith. That's how I grew in faith. That's how I grew in faith. That's how I grew in faith. Stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. I am the father of many nations. Glory to God, I am the father of many nations. Glory to God, I am the father of many nations. Not one child. Inability to procreate. I am the father of many nations. God has made me. And you notice the language that God used? I have made me. God was calling things into existence. Calling things which be not as though they were. And that's how God takes things out of the realm of the supernatural and produces them in the realm of the natural. By calling things into being or into existence, by calling those things which be not as though they were. I have made thee, past tense, the father of many nations. Abraham picked up on that and continued to reiterate or repeat or confess what God said about him. And spoke in line with the Word of God, gave glory to God, grew in faith. And then it goes on to say, he was also fully assured. Well, what was he fully assured of? He was fully assured that what God promised, that what God promised, that what God promised. Do you keep your promises to your children? If you make a promise to your child... Do you keep that promise? If you say, I promise to take you to the store tomorrow to buy you that bar of candy or whatever, and tomorrow comes, and you know kids don't forget when tomorrow comes, and a promise is made. Do you know that? 
It could be the furthest thing from your mind, but the moment they come home off that school bus and hit that door, and if you're there anywhere to be found, praise God, they know exactly what you promised. They know the words you used. I think they have individual built-in tape recorders that reminds them each and every moment of the day exactly what Dad promised. And if you think you're going to get away without performing that, you've got another thought coming. You don't want to do it? Don't make the promise. Abraham was fully assured, convinced, beyond all doubt, that what God promised, what he swore by an oath to do, he also had the ability to perform. Underline or circle or highlight that word perform. You know what it means? It means to fulfill. That's one definition. That what God promised, he was able to fulfill. It means to adhere to the terms of a contract. That God would adhere to the terms of the contract. It also means to carry out. So in other words, Abraham was fully convinced that God would adhere to the terms of the covenant agreement. And so rather than focusing in on the contradiction that was in his physical body, he chose to focus in on the fact that God was able to carry out what he said he would do. Even giving me the ability and Sarah the ability to have a child. If it means taking our, our bodily organs and causing them to be renewed like in your youth, God was able to do it. And so that was his focus. And seeing that, it goes on to say something that he did not do. He did not waver at the promise of God. He did not waver, which means to vacillate between two choices. Abraham refused to vacillate between the two choices. Do I believe what my physical body tells me? Or do I believe that Jehovah God is able to perform what he said he would perform? He stopped right there and said, Okay, I've contemplated the whole thing. I've thought it through. And I conclude. I'm not going to vacillate. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to be caught going in between two choices. As far as I'm concerned, I make one decision. And this is it. The God that I'm in covenant relationship with is able to perform or to carry out what he said. Therefore, I say my body and its symptoms are a lie and let God be true. Can you see that? That's exactly what he did. He said, in essence, let God be true and let my body be a liar. Let God be true. Let my circumstances be a liar. These are lying vanities. God is true. That's exactly what Abraham said. He did not waver at the promise of God in unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, fully persuaded what God said he would perform. Beloved, can you not see that this is how one develops a tremendous amount of faith in God? This is how one's soul is anchored. This is how one's spiritual faith life is developed. 
God cannot lie. God swore by an oath. My body may contradict it. I don't side with my body. I don't vacillate between two choices. I say God's word is above my feelings. God's word is above the medical report. God's word is above all the circumstances. All the voices that I hear. God's word is eternal. It is sure. It is trustworthy. It is true. And God cannot lie. That's exactly what he thought. Well, now turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 15. And I want to reveal to us or show to us through the teaching of God's word that healing definitely was a benefit of the Abrahamic covenant. Healing was a definite benefit of the Abrahamic covenant. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, God's people were delivered from Egypt with the strong hand of the Lord God through faith and the leadership of Moses. They got over to the other side, shouting, rejoicing, voicing their praise and gratitude. Miriam danced her dance and sang their songs. And they were just overwhelmed at the victory that God provided for them. When they finally got to a place where there was a little bit of difficulty or trouble, there wasn't pure water for them to drink. Maybe the waters were bitter. God began to speak through Moses and told the people in verse 26, And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I want you to notice the expression, I am the Lord that healeth thee. This is our reference to the fact that God Almighty reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. This revelation is based on the Abrahamic covenant. You understand that God's covenant was not with Moses, but Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Abraham being the father of us all. As a benefit, we understand that God said, I will be to you Jehovah Rapha. Now, first of all, let's reveal the meaning of the name Jehovah. Jehovah is distinctively the redemptive name of deity, and it means that He is the self-existent one who reveals Himself to mankind. In other words, we would not know who He is unless He revealed Himself to us. He said to Moses, I am that I am, and there is no other. In other words, I am the self-existent God. But Jehovah God is a revelation of the different aspects of His character and also of our redemptive rights. For example, in the compound names we have Jehovah Shammah. The Lord say, is saying, I am ever present. Jehovah who is present in your life. And we believe He is Jehovah Shammah. And Jehovah Nissi means the Lord my banner. The Lord my captain. You are the Lord my victor. Now, how would I know that? I would not know that. You would not know that except He 
would reveal himself as being Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Jireh or Jireh, any way you want to say it is fine with me. But you'll notice back there in those days of Abraham, when he offered up Isaac, his son, this place was called Jehovah Jireh because the Lord provided. The Lord reveals himself as our provision. He provides all that we need. Jehovah Jireh. I wouldn't know that about God. You wouldn't know that about God, except he revealed himself as Jehovah. These compound names, Jehovah Jireh, reveal to us. God Himself, the self-existent one, revealing Himself to us. The Lord, my shepherd, Jehovah Ruah, R-A-A-H. Jehovah Ruah, the Lord, my shepherd. I wouldn't know He's my shepherd. I wouldn't know He is a shepherd. Would you know that He was a shepherd? No, you wouldn't know that unless He would reveal Himself. He is the self-existent one who in these compound names is revealing to us Himself. Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. He is the Lord, my righteousness. Jehovah Makedesh. He is the Lord, my sanctifier. And what about Jehovah Shalom? My peace. He's our peace. Now, what about this one? Jehovah Rapha. Which actually means, I am the Lord, your physician. Did you get that? I am the Lord, your physician. And that's exactly how he revealed himself. I am the Lord, your physician. And to show you that this is a covenant relationship, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, we have a revelation of the fact that God, Jehovah Rapha, Revealed himself as the great physician or the doctor of the Israelites. In verse 9. Know therefore. Well, we better back up the verse 8 because that explains how he brought them out of Egypt. But because the Lord loved you. Deuteronomy 7, 8. And because he would keep what? The oath. Do you see what this does to the sovereignty of God? God must keep his oath. Someone says, well, God doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. Oh, yes, he does. I beg to differ with you. If God swore by an oath and can lie and get away with it, what makes him different than the father of liars? Did you hear that? God swore by an oath. Which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore, and this is something to know about God, that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God which keepeth covenant. My word will I not alter. My covenant will I not break. That is the immutability of God's counsel. What he said he won't change. He chose to limit himself in his sovereignty. Can you see that? We didn't. He did. Why? So that we can have great faith. So we don't have to walk around saying, well, I don't know if it be his will. It might not be his will. If it be his will, you know, he might. I don't know. You know, you never never can tell what God's going to do. He might. He might not. If he's in a good mood. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. If language means anything, 
when God gave his word and swore by an oath that he would do something, he can't just say, I was only fooling you. Or I was teasing or mocking. He must do it, beloved. Or become a liar. Which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Verse 12. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto your fathers. He keeps going back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will love thee, bless thee, multiply thee. He'll also bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, your corn, your wine, your oil, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep. In the land which he sware unto thy fathers, he keeps saying, he sware unto thy fathers to give you. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Beloved, that's all clear, isn't it? Can you see that healing is a definite blessing or benefit of the Abrahamic covenant? Is that not clear? Should it be clear to each and every one of us? Absolutely, it's clear. Because God said, I am the Lord that healeth thee, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them, or allow them to come upon all them that hate you. And so here we have a revelation that healing is a definite benefit of the Abrahamic covenant. And when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt's bondage, He brought them forth, the Bible says, with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among their tribe. Psalm 105 and verse 37. That's exactly what it says. And beloved, do you realize that when they celebrated over meal, they were actually reenacting the covenant relationship that Abraham made? And they were also typifying the new and everlasting covenant that we would have with Jehovah God through the blood of Jesus Christ? They took that sacrificial lamb and they had to, ha- had to have the lamb in them. They had to apply the blood to the doorposts in the middle of the house. And when they did that, they packed their bags and they got ready to get set free. They were delivered from Egypt. They were delivered from the death of the firstborn. Spiritual death, a type of that. And then, as they took off, and you know, in, in my own thinking, I have to look back and probably believe that maybe there were even those who were crippled. There were those that had all kinds of different problems that would make it very difficult for them to maneuver about and to run. But the moment they took, they partook of that sacrificial lamb, the moment they had all the lamb on the inside of them, they had up their girds, they gird up their loins and they took off. I believe the power of God, the anointing of God came upon them and the strength of the Lord caused each one to be whole. And there was not one feeble among their tribe as they took off. Because that's how faith works. They did what God said to do. And there were miracles. Can you imagine running and just seeing all these miracles take place all at the same time? Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle began to take place as they took off away from Egypt toward the promised land. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 1. Because we're now going to bring this into the realm of our covenant with the Most High God. Healing was a definite benefit of the Abrahamic covenant. It was their covenant right and privilege. And you'll recall when Jesus was upon this earth, 
A woman was bowed over with the spirit of infirmity for 18 years and could in no wise lift up herself. Who Jesus went over to her, laid his hand upon her. She was delivered and set free and said, Woman, thou art loose of thine infirmity. When the scribes and the elders were upset because of the miracle that was done on the Sabbath day, Jesus said to them, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, put that together. Can you see what Jesus was saying? The Son of God came upon this earth. He points out that woman and says, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, you think God doesn't know all those who are the sons and daughters of Abraham? He knew she was and said, being a daughter of Abraham, she should be loose on this Sabbath. Why? It's her covenant right. It's not a matter of whether or not God will do it. It's her covenant right to be loosed on the Sabbath. That's exactly what Jesus told them. See, he knew that. It was part of the Abrahamic covenant and she had a right to the benefit or to the blessing thereof. Matthew chapter 1. You never thought you'd read verse 1, did you? Ever in your life, did you think you'd ever read this? Or hear it from the pulpit being preached? The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I want you to get that in your thinking. The son of David, the son of Abraham. God made the covenant with Abraham. But ultimately... He made that covenant so as to provide an avenue for himself to get into the earth. He did it to make a way for himself, Jehovah God himself, to leave the glory world and legally gain access or entrance into this realm in which we live. That's why he did that with Abraham. See, God has something Abraham needed, but Abraham had something that God needed. God needed a way into the earth. And as a result of Abraham's faith and offering up his only son, Isaac, which is a type of God offering up his only son. Now think about this. God said to himself, if that man in natural form on the earth would offer up his only son for me and not withhold him, I'm now obligated to offer up my only son for the human race. And that's exactly what he did. And you see, when he, when he entered into that covenant relationship with him and said, now I know, now I know, Abraham, now I know, God was obligated. Redemption had to be fulfilled. God could not turn his back on mankind, even though oftentimes he wanted to, because he remembered Abraham. Remember that? When he wanted to destroy the Israelites and wipe them off the face of the earth and raise up a new people through Moses, what did Moses say? Remember Abraham. And so God couldn't do that. God had to honor his covenant with Abraham. He wanted to make a way for himself to come into the earth. For, the, for, for God to take on flesh or human form. And so he did that. And having that avenue through which he could come into the earth. He came as the seed of Abraham. Of David. Through proper legal channels. Not illegally. Remember Jesus said in John 10, the thief comes in by the wrong door. But the Son of Man, the shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, he comes in to the right door, the proper door. What was that door? Natural birth. Natural birth. He was willing to give, up, give it all up to take on human form and redeem mankind. Look at verse, 20, or verse 17. 
So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David under the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. And he's, he's making it emphatic that this is Jesus' lineage. This is where Jesus came from. You understand? That's what he's trying to show us, is that Jesus is not out there by himself. You follow back his ancestry, you discover that he is of the seed of Abraham, David. He came to the proper legal channel. Let's go on to verse 23. And as you read about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what you discover. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Beloved, in the person of Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham, Jehovah God himself was manifested in the flesh. Jehovah God himself, the blood covenant partner of Abraham, the one who cut the covenant with Abraham, gained entrance into the earth. That's exactly what he wanted to do. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. You've got those that are out there who do not believe that Jesus was deity. He was a prophet. He was a good man, a good moral person. Someone you can pattern your life after. I beg to differ with you. He was the Son of the Most High God. He was Jehovah God manifest in the flesh. The great I Am Himself. Who came upon this earth. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And without Him, uh, and all things by Him were made. Without Him there wasn't anything made that was made. Jesus is Jehovah God manifested in the flesh. And what does that mean? You can read right on through the Gospels and tell me if you cannot discover that Jesus was Jehovah Rapha. Anywhere he went, when they brought to him those that were sick, he demonstrated that he was under the Abrahamic covenant, Jehovah Rapha. He healed all those that were sick. Operating as a prophet under the Old Testament or the Abrahamic covenant. My peace I leave with you or I give unto you. Jehovah Shalom could give his peace. Was there anyone who can qualify to be Jehovah Nissi other than Jesus, the captain of our salvation? Our forerunner, our victor? We're victorious through Christ. Amen? How about our righteousness? Our righteousness, Jehovah Sidkin. And it goes on and on. When Jesus came to the earth, He is God with us. Emmanuel, God who is with us. This Abrahamic covenant was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, now having access into the earth, could do exactly what the Father intended for Him to do when He came. What is that? For this purpose was the Son of God or Son of Man manifest. That He would destroy the works of the devil. This is why He came. He came to undo, outdo, and overdo the works of the devil and redeem mankind from death, hell, and the grave. That's why He came. And beloved, when he walked upon the earth, he did so to demonstrate that he was Jehovah God manifest in the flesh. And that he was the only go-between or mediator between God and man. Well, turn with me if you would please. Hold your place there in Matthew. We're going to go back to it. But turn back to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. Because now this will shed, I believe, even deeper light on what he actually did for us. 
The new covenant is a better covenant established upon better promises. How many of you know that? Under the Abrahamic covenant, healing was a promised benefit or blessing. And if they would observe to do the laws, the statutes, the commandments of God, that God would then be to them, as he said, their great physician, and protect them from sickness and disease, which is divine health, and also be the one to heal them from their sicknesses or diseases. Jesus came, having access into the earth through the Abrahamic covenant, to establish a brand new covenant with mankind and God, between God and mankind. The new and everlasting covenant. As Jehovah God manifests in the flesh, He took it upon Himself to redeem us from the fall. As the second Adam, He would fulfill what God intended the first Adam to fulfill. In verse 4 of Isaiah 53, included in His redemptive acts, surely He hath borne our griefs, and the word there in the Hebrew... Elsewhere is translated sicknesses and carried our sorrows. And the word there in the Hebrew is elsewhere translated pains. Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Let's stop there just for a moment. Jesus came to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. In doing so, he would provide something better for us than what the Abrahamic covenant provided for them. In doing so, he would provide a new birth. Under the Abrahamic covenant, they could not be born again. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, which they could not have, only the prophet, priest, and king could have the anointing of God upon them. He would also provide something more than just the benefit or blessing of healing. He would actually bear it for us. Take it from us. It's important that we see that this was the work of the Son of God as He manifested Himself in the flesh as a part of redemption. He Himself bore our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon Him and with His stripes we are healed. Isaiah is looking to that day, to the future, the day when... With his stripes, we are healed. Now, go on back to that commentary there in Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Isaiah said he would come, he would bear our sicknesses as well as our sins, and with his stripes, we are healed. This is an act of redemption. In Matthew chapter 8, we have an inspired commentary by the Holy Ghost in verse 16 that reveals to us that Jesus actually did that work on earth in carrying out the Abrahamic covenant. And then, when He was raised up from the dead and sealed the new and everlasting covenant, also made the provision of healing and health. In Matthew eight sixteen. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirit with his word, and he healed all that were sick. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That Isaiah's prophecy would be fulfilled, that Jesus himself took our infirmities and Jesus bare our sicknesses. Okay? Now go on over to 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 24, 
1 Peter 2 and 24. Jehovah God manifest in the flesh, fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant, comes to the earth, demonstrates who He is. He overrides the laws of nature and overrules them, the law of supply and demand. He raises up people from the dead, defying death itself. He heals bodies that are sick, showing that He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our great physician. And that healing is a, a definite provision under the old covenant. Now, here we have a revelation to us that Jesus on the cross, before he leaves this realm and sits at the right hand of the Father, is going to also do something else. He's going to bear our sickness. He's going to carry our pain. He's going to take them from us and remove them to another place. Is exactly what that means. As he did our sin, likewise he does our sickness. He lifts them from us, that burden from us, and takes it and puts it into another place. Listen. Who his own shall bear our sins... In his own body on the tree, 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own shall bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes, Peter is looking back to the cross, and he says, you were healed. Isaiah, looking ahead to the cross, says, you are healed. We're living on this side of the cross, and we look back and we say that when Jesus was raised from the dead, by whose stripes we were healed. Healed. That's when we were healed. When that work took place. Healing then under the new covenant is not as much a promise to us as it is a statement of fact. I'm going to say that again. Healing under the new covenant is not as much a promise to us or a blessing and benefit as a promise type thing given. It is a statement of fact in the mind of God, by whose stripes the work was done and you are declared healed. By whose stripes you were healed is the statement of fact from the Word of God. And so then healing becomes a statement of fact from God's Word, not just a promised blessing. Can you see that? This is a statement of fact under the new covenant, that with his stripes we were healed. Well, then what, what about it when we have a disease in our body or a sickness in our body? Now we go back to Abraham. Listen carefully. Whenever we encounter sickness or disease within our bodies, we are encountering that which contradicts the statement of fact made with regard to our covenant relationship with the living God. Let's say that again. Whenever our bodies encounter sickness or disease symptoms, our body then is experiencing that which contradicts what God said in His Word according to the covenant that we have with Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to hear that again. Whenever our bodies encounter disease or sickness, we're encountering that which contradicts what God said, what God swore by, what God covenanted with us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And just as Abraham had the option... Think about it. 
He can choose to vacillate between two opinions or between two choices. He could have chosen to say, yes, God, you swore by this oath, but my body says otherwise. It contradicts what you say. It says I can't have a child. Sarah says she can't have a child. And so, Lord, I know you swore by an oath, but you know what? I have to believe what the doctors tell me. I have to believe what physical evidences tell me. I can't just go by what you said. Look at my body. You recall he first laughed at this? And so did Sarah. There are many that laugh at the faith message, beloved. They think we're Looney Tunes. But if they ever get a hold of it, they'll be like Abraham. You know what they'll say? I call things which be not as though they were. My body says one thing, but my God swore by an oath. And I believe that my God is bigger than my body. I believe that my God is bigger than a doctor's report. I believe my God is bigger than a disease. I believe that my God who swore by an oath, who said with his stripes, I was healed, is able to perform, to adhere to the contract, to carry it out. So body, line up (laughs) with the word of the living God. Beloved, just like Abraham, we are to believe the statement of fact above the contradiction. Just like Abraham, we are to believe the statement of fact that with his stripes we were healed above the contradiction. Do you know what God is saying to us today? I want you to start seeing this fact. You may have a contradiction in your body, but have respect unto my word. Hold in high esteem my word that says, with his stripes you were healed. Like Abraham, esteem the word of God, the promise or the oath that was made above his contradictory circumstances... Even so, we say, with your stripes, I was healed. Therefore, I am healed according to that which was spoken. God is trying to say to it, I want you to start seeing that you're already healed. Did you get that point? God is saying to us, I want you to start seeing that you're already healed. You were healed on the cross. You were healed at Calvary. With his stripes, you were healed. But my body says, that's the contradiction. That's the contradiction. That's the contradiction. Go on back to Romans chapter 4. And let's close it right there. Look at Romans 4 again. Abraham had the same contradiction, beloved. We oftentimes have the contradiction manifesting itself within our physical bodies. But we have got to... To to like Abraham did, stop and think as to whether or not we are going to vacillate between two choices. And to make a decision not to vacillate, not to waver through unbelief. Because James says, he that wavereth 
is like a wind of the sea, a wave of the sea being with the wind driven and tossed. Let not that man thinketh who wavers that he shall receive anything from the Lord. God's statement of fact says with his tribes we were healed. And what he wants us to do is focus in on the fact that God swore by an oath and said that with his stripes we were healed. Therefore, he wants me to see in my own mind's eye by the Spirit of God that with his stripes I was healed. I am healed according to the Word of God. And follow the, 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 the example of Father Abraham, who against hope in verse 18, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken. Well, what was spoken in our covenant relationship? With his stripes, we were healed is what was spoken in our covenant relationship. What else was spoken? Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of disease. I have been redeemed is my covenant relationship with God. And so I believe according to that which was spoken, not according to the contradiction in my physical body. And I start siding with what God said like Abraham did. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred years old, neither yet the deadest of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And the more you give glory to God, glory be to God that with his stripes I was healed. With his stripes I am healed. That is the statement of fact from the word of God that God swore by an oath and God cannot lie. It's the immutability of his counsel. My faith is based upon the covenant I have with him in the blood of Jesus Christ, thanks be to God. And as you give glory to God, your faith grows and your faith grows and your faith builds and your faith builds. With his stripes I was healed. With his stripes I was healed. You think it took God all those years to bring that thing about? Or you think it took Abraham and Sarah? I believe it took cooperation from Abraham and Sarah. And the more they said it, the more their faith grew. The more they said it, the more their faith grew. The more he kept saying, Sarai, the mother of nations, and, and, and Sarah, and, and she kept saying, Abraham, father of many nations. It caused the uh, faith to go back and forth, back and forth. Sarah, Abraham, Sarah, Abraham, father of nations, uh, mother of nations, father of many nations, mother of nations. They kept saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. And as they were saying it, a miracle was taking place. God's power was activated on the inside of them. And they're being changed them with then to be able to conceive seed and produce a child and the more we keep on saying with his stripes i was healed that's my covenant right it's a statement of fact praise god beloved you may say it for one day and get a result you may say it for two days and get a result you may say it for a week or ten days you may say it for two months or three but whatever when you get the result there's a time for shouting and rejoicing and giving glory unto god even furthermore amen it doesn't matter how long it takes for things to materialize. It doesn't matter if a year goes by. What matters is, as we agree with God, as we agree with the statement of fact, as we agree inside with what, the fact that God cannot lie. Can you see that? As we esteem God's Word above the contradiction in our physical bodies, God respects our faith, honors our faith. And you know what? Watches over His Word to do what? to adhere to the contract He made with us. To carry it out. If that's not shouting grounds, I don't know what is. If that doesn't produce uh, an unshakable faith, I don't know what will. If that's not the solid ground upon which we're to base our lives, I don't know what is. That's solid ground, folks. Can you see you can't shake from that? You, you can't shake that. That is unshakable ground right there. That's solid ground. God has to do what He said. And this is the example of it. 
And so he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was fully persuaded that what he promised, and we're to be fully persuaded that that statement of fact, that with his stripes we were healed, God is able to see to it that it's a reality. He's able to adhere to the contract relationship. He's able to carry out what he said in his word that he would do. And so, beloved, this is where the principle, and please make note I said principle, of calling things which be not as though they were comes into play in our Christian experience. Calling things which be not as though they were is a vitally important part of our faith lives. We start calling ourselves healed, our bodies say we're sick. We call things which be not as though they were, and they become. And once again, in in Romans it says it this way, in, in the New American Standard, God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Health may not be existing in that part of your body right at the moment. But you know that when you start calling things that be not as though they were, you are calling health into being in that part of your body. You are calling health into being in that part of your body. That's exactly what Abraham and Sarah did. They called it into being. With his stripes, we were healed is the statement of fact upon which we build our faith. It is our covenant right. It belongs to us. It's not a promised blessing. It is a statement of fact. It is a truth that Jesus bore our sickness and carried our pains. Let's all stand together. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.